0: So when our Lord says this, she she shows shows a sign of goodwill, and she says, "Sir, I, I I perceive that thou art a prophet." And then she starts asking him questions having to do with the religious controversies that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. She gets right to the heart of the matter, and and, and you know the the the, temp, the the dueling temples, the temple on Mount Gerizim, and uh, which is right in the town where our Lord was with her, and the temple. Um, on uh, in jerusalem the true temple so he then tells her the thing about well you know a time is coming when and is now here when you will not worship God either in Jerusalem or on this mountain but God will be worshipped everywhere in spirit and in truth God is a spirit and he must be worshipped in spirit and in truth so she becomes his disciple immediately she she but the funny thing is she a Samaritan woman makes an immediate profession of faith in the messiah to come and says when the Messiah comes, he will teach us all things, and then our Lord, not maintaining his customary um, quietness about his his uh, being the Christ, says, "It is he who speaks to thee now," and she believes him instantly, and she goes off to get other Samaritans, and then the the other the, the apostles show up, and they're thinking, "Okay, why were you talking to her?" Um, but as St. John says, no man dared ask him this, they, but they were all thinking it. And they said, "He master, eat. And he says, I have meat of which you know not. And they said, you know, where did you get meat, you know, around this place? You know, there's not exactly a 7-Eleven here. And he said, again, King James Version there. And he said, uh, I have meat that you know not of. And, and his, his my meat is to do the will of my father, right? So he's evangelizing these Samaritans. And and he, he says the hills are white for the harvest. Now, I read a commentary that pointed out that the, the the Samaritans wore these white garments, these big flowing white garments. And this is a hilly place. And you picture the disciples in some valley someplace or near a hill, and they're looking up. There are hills, there are, there are elevations above them. And this woman, who was obviously... Using her feminine ability to talk a lot for good purpose and getting people to come to hear our Lord speak, um, she's got the hills white for the harvest—literally white with the with the white garments of the Samaritans who were coming to see what this crazy adulteress has to has to um, show them. And um, and then they begged them to—they believed because they heard her. And then they begged our Lord to stay. But all this took place uh, around water. But listen to what our Lord says. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, meaning the water that you're taking out of this here well. But he that shall drink the water that I will give him shall not thirst forever. But the water that I will give him shall become in him a fountain of water, springing up to life everlasting. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come hither to draw. If you pay close attention to this, and I, I wrote something on this that's on our website um, called, I think it's called The Woman at the Well. Um, he's challenging her. I mean, even to the point of saying, hey, go get your husband. And this elicits from her an honest confession of her moral state. and then, And then he reveals that he knows, you know, sort of the Paul Harvey rest of the story and that's when she realizes he's a prophet but she sort of passed the test of this little you know she could have said oh you know you you male chauvinist pig you know what do I need a man for I don't need to get my husband (laughs) but she didn't um, she could have made it an insult at him for being a Jew, because remember, the Samaritans and the Jews generally hated each other, which is why she marveled so much that a Jewish man would be talking to her. Um, anyway, you're listening to Reconquest and the Crusade Premium Channel. This is Brother Andre Marie, and we are on episode number 368, the river flowing through St. John's Gospel. So, we must pass on to other chapters To paraphrase our Lord, uh, there are other chapters I must go to. Um, All right, chapter 5 would be next, chronologically. And indeed, this is a chapter that does have an explicit mention of water. And this is the chapter um, that mentions the pond of Probatica. There's an infirm man who's laying at the pond of Probatica. And here we see our Lord transcending the... um, operation that's taking place normally at this pond the pond of probatica was was the pond at the sheep gate of the temple and the the sheep the the lambs that were offered in sacrifice were washed in the pool of probatica so these were the victims that were going to be offered in the temple and it was just the procedure hey we got this pond here and um, it, 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 there were there were these pools or ponds that were set up man made in in um, Jerusalem. I'll I'll speak more of that later. They go back seven hundred years before our Lord's time, at least. Perhaps not this one, but the other one um, goes back seven hundred years. Uh, yet um, this one, the one we're talking about now, Probatica, um, it's also called Bethsaida in in. Um, in Hebrew, uh, this, or Bethesda, if you follow the King James Version. So Bethesda, Maryland, it's named after this thing. So this is where they washed the sheep. So it had a certain sacramental use uh, in or liturgical use in in the Jewish worship of the day. So our, our, something very interesting happened. Every time the waters moved and it was an angel that was moving it, Um, whoever was the first one to go in the water was healed of whatever malady he he had. Well, this became known, so you had all these—it must have been quite the pathetic scene— all these men with maladies, men and women, who were infirm, who who were cripples or whatever, uh, who were just waiting to have somebody help them to go into the water so that they could get this miracle. And every time it happened, somebody walked away healed. Uh, But this poor man was laying there 38 years— Under the same infirmity, and there was no man he had who could put him into the water. So our Lord walks up to him and, without the use of the water, works a miracle and heals him. Nonetheless, this is a significant um, sort of aquatic reference uh, in the, you know, what he tells our Lord is, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled, meaning, you know, disturbed, um, uh, to put me into the pond. Uh, for whilst I am coming, another goeth down before me. So our Lord just tells him, you know, by uh, his own word, arise, take up thy bed, and walk. And he took up his bed and walked. And then this is the Sabbath day, so the man gets in trouble for it. And then there's a rest of the story, so to speak. But we must move on. And where are we moving on to? Chapter 6. Well, chapter 6 doesn't have an explicit reference to water, but it does mention the sea. And what is the sea? Well, it's the aforementioned um, Sea of Tiberias, which is the Roman name, uh, also called the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Genesareth, because Genesareth was a city that was on one of the coasts of it. Um, so these are the three names of that same body of water. Again, it's not a sea because it's not salt water, it's really a lake. And um, a lot of activity takes place there because, of course, one of the one of the cities that borders it is Caesarea, which was not our Lord's hometown, but it's kind of the base of his operations. So, and this, of course, is in the north. This is in Galilee. This is not in uh, Judea. So it's not near Jerusalem. So, what happens now? Of course, when I say John six, every Catholic should immediately think of our Lord's Eucharistic discourse at the synagogue in Capernaum. Right, that's where He gives the "I am the bread of life" uh, discourse. And some of his disciples walked with him no more. Why? Because uh, they they this is a hard saying, and who can hear it? And then our Lord asked St. Peter, will you go too? And he says, whither shall we go, Lord? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So it's a Eucharistic chapter, and there's a lot of um, deep um, Eucharistic uh, wisdom that our Lord imparts to his disciples. Yet there is this mention of water, and it's kind of an interesting symbol. Now, literally, of course, in the strict historical sense, what's happening is that our Lord, uh, so th- th- this, they're, they're in Tiberias, and they go from Tiberias. M- many of uh, our Lord has worked the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves, right? So he's, multi- he's done one of the two uh, multiplication miracles. So he feeds them, and then uh, in Tiberias, and uh, then he. he makes like he's going to stay. And he does stay. Everybody else gets in boats and goes up to Capernaum, which is further north. He stays in Tiberias. And then what's he do? He sets out walking on on the lake of Genesareth to get to Capernaum. And as he's walking in the lake, the, the disciples see him and they're freaked out because they think it's a ghost and all. And then he calls out to them and says, be a piece of his eye. And he comes into the boat. So the the people who had crossed over at the same time the disciples did didn't see this, and they knew that our Lord had stayed there. And then they come to him when they see him there, they knew something very interesting happened. They knew th- that some some additional miracle happened. So then they're hoping that he's going to work more miracles and give them bread. And they start mentioning the manna, you know. Oh, Moses gave our fathers manna in the desert. You know, what do you have to give us? He had just fed them the day before. And so here they're kind of getting greedy, like, hey, maybe we don't have to work. We'll sort of get this Jesus welfare, you know, and we won't have to do any, any labor for the rest of our lives. And we'll just sort of hail him as our king. But our Lord, as, as a priest that I once heard said, our Lord didn't want to be the bread king. Um, so he, uh, he then preaches his Eucharistic discourse after, by the way, insulting them and saying, you didn't come to me um, uh, for, for what I have to, 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 to teach you. You came to me because you ate of the loaves. So he's basically sort of telling them, that that's all you're interested in, go away. And of course, they did go away, many of those, when he gave them the hard stuff, when he gave them the, the difficult doctrine of the Eucharist, they walked with him no more, many of them.